0: Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. <laughs> Buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind, and all that was real is left behind. Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at It's only this not care what comes after. You're feel a dream, can't you see you getting closer? Just surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over. It's fire.
1: Morning, Liquid Church. Great to see you guys. Yeah, welcome our campuses who are joining us. We got six locations across the state. Glad you guys are with us. I'm Tim. Uh, I serve as one of the pastors here. Thrilled you're here, especially if you're a guest or you're visiting. Glad you're with us for our summer series at the movies. And uh, let me also personally want to invite you to join us uh, for parcipity Movie night, that's this Friday, August 17th. It's really for all our campuses. What we do is we set up a giant 40-foot movie screen on the front lawn uh, of our broadcast campus, and uh, all our campuses come together. All you gotta bring is the lawn chairs, baby. We give you the popcorn, the lemonade, we're gonna have some games, and uh, I think we're showing uh, Star Wars Last Jedi, so you, you Star uh, Star Wars nerds uh, like me, you can bring your lightsaber, your Wookiee costume. Um, that'll be fun. Eight o'clock, popcorn games start, and then 8.30, We start the movie as it gets dark, so I hope you can join us. Um, What we're doing in this series is looking at the spiritual themes behind popular movies of our time. So last Sunday, we looked at uh, The Greatest Showman, and we connected it to the Gospel of Luke. We we saw how Jesus actually welcomed and embraced misfits and outcasts into his kingdom. But today, we're going to go from a musical to a more serious drama called Darkest Hour, And this is a film about Winston Churchill, the British Prime Minister and his heroic leadership during World War II. Uh, As history buffs sort of know, uh, Churchill faced down Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime when they threatened to overtake Europe. And really, without Churchill's spine of steel and his courageous leadership, uh, we might be speaking German today. Uh, Darkest Hour was nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, and Gary Oldman actually got the best actor award for his incredible portrayal of Churchill. It's really remarkable. And today, I want to draw a connection uh, between Churchill and an Old Testament leader named Hezekiah, who found themselves in a the similar situation. They found themselves defending their nation when it was being threatened to be invaded and destroyed. And the question is, how do you, how do you summon the moral courage and leadership to lead people in a time of terror. I think Darkest Hour is a movie for our time. So I want to sit back and relax. We're going to watch the trailer, and we gave you some movie candy on your way in today. Did you get that? How many of you ate it already? Okay. <laughs> we gave you dark chocolate because it's the Darkest Hour. You, get, you see what's going on there? Okay. And then what we'll do is we'll open the Bible to learn from God's Word. So here is Darkest Hour. Darkest Hour.
0: We are in the preliminary stage of one of the greatest battles in history, Mr. Winston Churchill. You have an enormous task ahead of you. Winston lacks judgment. He's a bully. We may have to replace him. All our forces are in Dunkirk. The Germans are pushing us into the sea.
2: You have the full weight of the world on your
0: shoulders. Are you not afraid? Most terribly. I speak to you for the first time as prime minister in a solemn hour for the life of our country. You ask, what is our policy? I say it is to wage war by sea, land, and air. With all our might, we shall
1: never surrender! Okay, tick, tick, tick right? You hear the the tension, the drama there. This is actually based on history. The movie depicts the real-life events of May 1940 in the days leading up to World War II. This was a time when the entire world, including America, literally held its breath. Uh, Adolf Hitler had gained absolute power in Germany. He invaded Poland in 1939, destroyed its army, and then he turned his sights on Western Europe. Now, Hitler had established the Third Reich, or Nazi Empire, and it was conquering every nation in its path like dominoes. They used a strategy called Blitzkrieg, it just means lightning war. And the Nazis defeated Norway, Denmark, Holland, Luxembourg, and Belgium, right in a row like dominoes. The French army, most military experts said, well, they're the last hope, they're going to hold their own probably against Germany. The French army was humiliated in just 40 days. What's worse, at this moment, nearly 500,000 British and French troops were trapped on the beach in a tiny coastal town called Dunkirk where they faced certain annihilation. Hitler's tanks had them cornered. The Luftwaffe, or Nazi Air Force, was bombing and strafing them. And it was one of the most harrowing events in world history. And it was at that darkest hour when the fate of the free world hung in the balance, with the madman descending on the globe that Winston Churchill stepped onto the world stage as prime minister of Britain. Now, this was May 1940, and people were in a panic because they knew they were next on the list for the Nazis to invade, which, believe it or not, is a very similar situation that faced the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. In the book of 2 Kings, chapters 18 and 19, you'll read the historical account of King Hezekiah, who led the Jewish people at a time when they were threatening to be destroyed by the Assyrian army. And I want to draw a parallel today between these two leaders, between Winston Churchill and King Hezekiah. Because both were men of faith and courage who, defying popular opinion, refused to surrender, even when overwhelmed. And they gained a miraculous victory that changed history with the help of God. You know, in preparation for this message, I read a book this summer called God and Churchill, how the great leader's sense of divine destiny changed his troubled world and offers hope for ours. It's a spiritual biography written by Churchill's great-grandson, and it's quite riveting. Um, The thing that opened my eyes is that when Hitler, or Hitler, Churchill was only 16 years old. Now, you know, remember when you were 16? What were you doing when you were 16, right? I'm hanging out in the 7-Eleven parking lot, okay? 16-year-olds, listen. Churchill received a divine vision. I would call it almost prophetic. He actually wrote these words in his diary as a 16-year-old. This country will be subjected somehow to a tremendous invasion, and I shall be in command of the defenses of London, and it will fall to me to save the capital and save the empire. Is that incredible? Like, he, like, had, like, a God-given vision that his life had a purpose beyond just earning money or having a happy life. so, teenagers, understand God can speak to you and talk about the divine purpose your life has. Churchill had this sense of divine destiny that God had created him and positioned him, and one day in his life he would be caught up in this epic battle between good and evil. It's almost prophetic, but it's also improbable. See, early in his life, Churchill was perceived as a failure. He sucked at school. He did very poorly. He almost failed out. He was unremarkable in his early leadership. But God put his hand on Churchill for such a time as this, just like he did with King Hezekiah. And today, I want to compare these two leaders, Churchill and King Hezekiah, and then connect it to the battles that you face, that I face in everyday life. Who is Hezekiah? Well, 2 Kings 18 simply says, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king over the Jewish people. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. Now, Churchill was a bit older. He was in his 60s when he became prime minister of Britain. But Hezekiah had a strong faith. Here's what the Bible says. Hezekiah trusted in who? In the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and didn't stop following him. In fact, he kept all the, what, the, the commands that the Lord had given Moses. So Hezekiah trusted the God of Israel. He trusted the word of God. He worshipped the Lord. He kept his commandments. And because of that, verse 7 says simply, And the Lord was what? Was with him. The Lord was with him. His hand was on his life. How many of you know that it doesn't matter where you go in life as long as the Lord goes with you? Amen? So you may be facing a battle today in your family, um, at your work. Uh, maybe there's a lawsuit against you, or people are saying things about you, and the odds may seem overwhelming. But if the Lord goes with you, that's all you need. Amen? Hezekiah had the favor of God on his life. He, he, God put his hand on this nation's leader, and believe me, they needed it. Because at this moment in Bible history, God's people are under enemy attack. Verse 13 says, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah, and what did he do? He captured them. Uh, let me explain. The Assyrian king Sennacherib, here's a statue of him, was the Hitler of the ancient world. The Assyrians were brutal, bloodthirsty barbarians. They, they attacked surrounding tribes and cities, and in 701 BC, they attacked Israel because it was at the vital crossroads of the trade routes in the ancient East. So, so to catch, do you understand what's going on? The, the Jewish people are being attacked, the Assyrians are on their doorstep, and, and the people are in a panic, alarms are going off, because the Assyrians were notorious for their cruelty. I mean, we know, right? We say, oh, the Nazis, yeah, committed genocide. Unthinkable to understand that six million Jewish people were murdered in concentration camps. Well, the Assyrians made sport of murder. When they invaded and conquered a city, they would rape the women, torture the children, and cut strips of human flesh off the men until they died of exposure. Then they would pile the filleted bodies outside the city gate as a warning to anybody Who wouldn't surrender? And so here they are, the Assyrians attacking the Jewish people, and Hezekiah gets word, we're going to invade, we're going to destroy your nation unless you surrender and pay tribute. And verse 17 says, the king of Assyria sent his supreme commander, his chief officer, and his field commander with a large army to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. Basically, this is a war council. It'd be like sending the vice president, the secretary of state, and the four-star general of the army to tell Hezekiah, yo, you're surrounded, bro. (laughs) You are outgunned. Look out your windows. Our army is here, and we have defeated nation after nation. You better surrender now or else certain destruction, which is the same situation that Churchill found himself in May 1940. The Nazis had conquered nation after nation in Europe, and now they were churning their way through France with Britain in their crosshairs. And even Churchill's own generals of the British Army said Hitler is unstoppable. Let's watch this clip.
2: Belgium and Holland may fall at any hour. And the French? The entire French Ninth Army, some 200,000 men, have capitulated. All of them? Capitulated, deserted, it was a rout. All our land forces, roughly 300,000 men, are now in full retreat.
0: Here cover for our troops. The Luftwaffe control the skies.
2: We simply don't have enough planes to challenge them. In fact, I strongly recommend we stop sending our precious fighter planes to be wasted in France. Save them for our own defense.
0: And our navy suicidal, neutralized, useless. Our fleets no sooner come within their range than we come under blistering air attack. (sighs)
2: Their speed is devastating. Panzer tanks moving rapidly westward through the centre.
0: Oh, well, they will have to pause with fuel supplies. This is not the last war, sir. Their tanks can stop for fuel at a petrol
2: station. petrol station? The road to Paris now lies open. Seven million refugees are on the move. Collectively, we are looking at the collapse of Western Europe in the next few days. Should
0: the public be told? Not yet. First, we must rouse our old friends to an heroic resistance. France must be saved.
1: Prime Minister, Prime Minister, the situation in France, uh, is it true we're in full retreat? Is France lost? Everybody put your hand up, make a fist, I want you to stick one finger, two fingers, make a V. Churchill was famous for making the V, which stood for victory. That was his public persona. Victory, we're going to win, we're not going to give up. But on the inside, behind the scenes, the British government knew this situation was dire. This was grave. This was desperate, bleak. So did King Hezekiah. When that war delegation showed up in Jerusalem and said, surrender or else, what was, or else what? Or else the annihilation of every Jewish person. We're going to exterminate them. Does this sound familiar to you? Again, I don't think history repeats. History has echoes. I'm going to weave in and out of modern movie and ancient history and Even though Hezekiah won't bend at first, the field commander said to them, will you tell Hezekiah? This is what the great king of Assyria says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? (laughs) You, You say you have strategy and military strength, but you only speak empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? And if you read on, he basically says, what are you going to do? Call your allies to help you? I killed all of them. They're weak. So is your God. Your God ain't going to help you with this, so understand the attack begins with enemy intimidation. On a personal level, as a Christian, how many of you know that's how the enemy works? Before he attacks you, he begins chirping at you. He tries to intimidate you. He he says things like, well, you know, that diagnosis you got, it's overwhelming. God can't do anything about that. That that situation at work, bro, you're all on your own on that one, man. You're just, 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 just cave in compromise on that relationship. It's too hard. That's what the enemy of your soul does. As a follower of Jesus Christ, the goal of the enemy is to intimidate, bully, speak negativity. That's what your enemy does. He attacks the thoughts of Christ's followers and tries to keep us from pressing forward in faith. In, In Hezekiah's case, the enemy actually launches an all-out propaganda war to undermine his leadership. It says this, verse 28. Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, hear the word of the great king of Assyria. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He can't deliver you from my hand. Don't let Hezekiah persuade you to, to do what? To trust in the Lord when he says, oh, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given to the hand of the king of Assyria. I'm right here. You're surrounded. Don't listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Read this out loud. Make peace with me and come out to me. So he tells the Jewish people, hey, can't we all just get along? Come on out and negotiate. Make peace with Assyria. Guys, remember, these are the Nazis of the ancient world. These are bloodthirsty, brutal barbarians. Let's compromise. Let's be friends. Let's be allies. And then he makes a promise. He says, then each of you will eat fruit from your own you know, vine and fig tree, water from your own cistern, until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Oh, the promised land. And then he says, okay, cool. Choose life, not death. All right? You come with me. I'm going to... Nobody will die. This will just all be good. And you know what the people are thinking, right? <laughs> like... I mean, why stand for a lost cause and lose your life? Maybe we should just surrender. I mean, just give it. I mean, we should negotiate terms of peace. Why not? Here's why not. Because the enemies of God are lying demonic terrorists. Just like the Nazis were lying demonic terrorists, Assyria is the ISIS of the ancient world, and the one thing you don't do in a time of terror is sit down for a tea and negotiate with the enemies of God. Hezekiah understood this, and so did Churchill. Again, we look at history in the rear view, right? We know how it turned out. But let me tell you something. At this moment in May 1940, Churchill's own war council wanted to negotiate with Hitler. They wanted to figure out how do we surrender to Germany without losing more lives. And that's when Churchill's defiant faith and courageous leadership shone through. Watch this clip.
2: As of 20 hundred hours last night, the Germans have encircled 60 British, Belgian, and French divisions. On our part, all our forces under Lord Gort have withdrawn or are trying to withdraw to the French coast, to Dunkirk, where we cannot reach them.
0: How many of our men are trapped
2: All of them. Our country's entire professional soldiery. And we can see no clear way to rescue them.
0: General, are you telling me that we shall have lost the entire British army by the next few days? That's correct. The German force is superior in every regard and only 50 miles from the coast. They are pushing us into the sea. Well, the Germans must not reach the sea. Not, not before we evacuate our, our men. Nismay, what have you got for this?
2: As it stands, I cannot see we have much hope of getting any of our forces
0: out in time. Not a man. Well, we, we cannot be so. Totally at mercy. What's our next step? Anyone? Come on, speak! Prime Minister, the question of peace talks. Oh, we must hold on you. Signal only that we intend to fight it out until the end. A peace offer uh, to, to actually our weakness. agreed. And even if we were beaten, we should be no worse off than we should be if we were now to abandon the struggle. Let us therefore avoid being dragged down the slippery slope with talk of a negotiated peace. Slippery slope? The only... I suspect Italy and Germany wish to get us so deeply involved in negotiations that we should be unable to turn back. Nonsense. Bastianini, inform me. I propose... The only slippery Would slope... Would you stop interrupting me while I am interrupting you? When I chose my war cabinet, I took great care to surround myself with old rivals. I may have overdone it. <laughs> right on Halifax, the approach you propose, it's, it's, it's not only... It's futile, but it involves us in a deadly danger. The deadly danger here is this romantic fantasy of fighting to the end. What is the end? if not the destruction of all things. There's nothing heroic in going down fighting if it can be avoided. Nothing even remotely patriotic in death or glory if the odds are firmly on the former. Nothing inglorious in trying to shorten a war that we are clearly losing. Losing! Europe is still! Europe is lost! And before our forces are wiped out completely, now is the time to negotiate in order to obtain the best conditions possible. Hitler will not insist on outrageous terms. He will know his own weaknesses. He will be reasonable. When will the lesson be learned? When will the lesson be learned? How many more dictators must be uh, wounded? appeased, good God, give him mixed privileges, before we learn, you cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. Prime Minister.
1: You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. I, I said those words at the dinner table last night, like to the kids. Didn't work. They. they They just blinked, looked back at their screens, you know, kind of. (laughs) What did Churchill know? What did Hezekiah know? They knew the truth of God, that it is never the wrong time to do the right thing, even if it means suffering dearly, dearly for it, even if it means losing your life. See, friends, there's a time for compromise and reason, but it's not when you're dealing with the devil. You understand, Hitler was a devil. He was a type of antichrist intent on wiping God's people from the face of the map. And the king of Assyria was a devil. He was threatening the same and openly mocking God. He actually says, if you look at verse 27, I'm not even going to read it to you, but it's because it's, it's like, he says, if you don't surrender now, he says, you'll be eating your own blank and drinking your own blank. I'm, t- I'm telling you, the Bible's interesting. Read it. Second Kings 18, 27. This is the darkest hour. This is a moment of decision for, for both Churchill and Hezekiah and maybe you. Will they shrink back and surrender or or step up and defy the enemy and defend their people? Well, if I can inspire you today, friends, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know what the Bible says about you? The Bible says we don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have what? Faith and are saved. Give God a hand because that's where you come from. I don't know what battle you're facing today, but you need to hear this. Whatever your situation, when it seems overwhelming, you have to understand your God is powerful and he is at work right now in your life, so don't you quit. Listen to me. You never let intimidation trump conviction. You never let the voice of the enemy drown out the voice of truth. As a Christian, you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. You have the resurrection power of Christ at work in your life. You have the truth of God as your sword. Do you know what that means? It doesn't matter how overwhelming the enemy is. It doesn't matter if you feel weak or outnumbered. He who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. So you don't give up. You don't back down. You don't give in. Even if everybody around you loses heart or compromises their faith, you stand your ground and you do what's right in the eyes of God. Even if it seems like a lost cause, like it was for Churchill like it was for Hezekiah. I mean, with Churchill, at that moment, you understand, in May 1940, there were 500,000 British and French troops pinned down on a beach in Dunkirk facing certain destruction. The Nazis were literally hours away from bombing the entire British army on the beach and annihilating every soldier. As you saw, Lord Halifax and others pleaded with Churchill to make a deal with Hitler, cut a deal with the devil. Cowardice was the theme of the day. Just to give you a sense, historically, General Ironside, he was a chief of the British war staff, he said to a colleague, this is the end of the British Empire. That's the head general of the army, okay? King Leopold III of Belgium said, the cause of the allies is lost. Even public opinion was up for grabs. Some British intellectuals were saying that, you know what, we should just welcome Hitler and hope for the best. Crazy. It was the darkest hour. But Churchill stood firm during that moment, and he defiantly announced that England would soldier on alone if necessary. He said this, we would rather go down fighting than be enslaved to Germany. Guys, I want you to think about this. The moral courage, the moral leadership it took to stand his ground with Hitler out there, his own internal critics, public opinion. If Britain and Churchill had surrendered without a fight, I want you to think about this. Six million... Jews died. How many more millions of Jews, Poles, gypsies, gay, lesbian, other undesirables would have been gassed and murdered by the Nazi war machine? If he had given in, a thousand years of Western freedom would have come to a tragic end. Hitler would have invaded England. There'd be no obstacle to America, and our world would look very different today. So, what in the world changed? world history. With their backs to the wall, where did Churchill and Hezekiah turn for help? Well, I'm now going to tell you the part of the story they won't tell you in the movie. In 2 Kings 19, we're told that when King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth, and where did he go? Say it together, church. He went into the temple of the Lord. That is, he went to the house of God. He went to church, which Hezekiah... Treated like his war room. (laughs) See, Hezekiah knew this battle, though physical, would be won or lost spiritually. And he knew he had to fight from his knees in prayer. That is a lesson for Christ followers. Can I say that? When your back is against the wall, it's time to get on your knees. The Bible says, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Listen to his prayer. Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, the angels, you alone are God. Over all the kingdoms of the earth. You've made the heaven, the earth. He- Hezekiah prays, he prays boldly, he prays loudly, he acknowledges that God alone is sovereign. What does that mean? God is totally in control. Even when things seem out of control, God is completely in control and He's divinely steering the course of human history. And he acknowledges. He is totally dependent on the Lord. Look what he prays. Give ear, O Lord. Hear. open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. He says, God, an attack on your people, it's an attack on you. Your enemy is mocking your strength and power. So, so open your eyes, listen, listen to his words, and come fight for us, Lord. Fight for your people. The text actually says Hezekiah spread out before the Lord in the temple. I imagine him getting down. Maybe he was prostrate with his face to the ground, but he was in his place of dependence just pleading and saying, God, listen to the enemy's words. He's not just mocking us. He's mocking you. We are totally at his mercy, but your mercy is greater, God. Would you come fight on behalf of your people? It's a picture of total desperation in a moment of crisis. Can I ask, do you pray that way? That how you pray? (laughs) When your family's under siege? When the enemy attacks? Your health? Your job? Those you love, is that that how you, friends, understand? As a follower of Jesus in any crisis, prayer should be your first response, not a last resort. What battle are you facing that you need to call upon the Lord, that you need to spread out in prayer in your war room? On our family's trip to London this summer, we visited Churchill's actual war rooms. You can go in them today. They are the underground bunkers in London. They've turned them into a museum, but it's still the original war rooms. And they're buried beneath Parliament and reinforced with concrete to shield Churchill and the leaders from the German bombs. And it was amazing because it was very cramped and claustrophobic, and you kind of went through this labyrinth of narrow hallways and cramped quarters. British leaders slept on cots and windowless rooms planning their counterattack against Hitler. And as I walked through those war rooms, I just couldn't help but thinking. It was amazing to think that above ground, while this world war raged in the physical realm, below, beneath the surface, there was a battle going on, there was a war room where the enemy advances were being courageously beaten back. I think that's a picture of prayer in a believer's life. It's in prayer and through prayer that you fetch strength against the devil. It's in your war room of prayer that you claim victory against the enemy. V for victory. Again, I don't know what battle you're facing today where you need victory, but as a child of God, the Lord has made this promise to you. He said in Isaiah, no weapon formed against you shall what? Prosper. It's not going to succeed. Notice God didn't promise that a weapon won't form. He says, weapon's going to form... I'm just promising you they won't prosper. See, at some point, we're all going to face battles, struggles, hard times, challenges, where it just seems easiest to give in our faith and quit. But that's when you got to go to your war room and prayer. Hezekiah is so honest when he prayed. I love this. Verse 17, he says, It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian king has laid waste to these nations and their lands. They've thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they weren't really gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. But now now lord our god deliver us from his hand why so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that what say it to the other church you alone lord are god now that's a god glorifying prayer amen hezekiah called on the yeah give him praise that's right that's a christ-honoring prayer it's not just saying save my butt for my sake for your sake god Do something here in my life so that everyone will have to say, well, God is powerful. He intervened on behalf of the people he loves. Guys, when Hezekiah called on the angel armies to go to war on his behalf, that's a picture for us. As Christians, as a Christian, you are called to make peace with men but wage war against the enemy. And when you pray, you laid hold of the hand of God and you invite his strength, his unlimited power, his unlimited might to wage war on your behalf. So again, what, what battle might you be facing where you need the power of prevailing prayer to call down the help of heaven? Maybe you've tried ideas. You've come up with strategies. You've consulted other people. Have you poured out your heart to prayer, asking God to deliver you, not for your sake, but so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. See, in his darkest hour, Hezekiah prayed. Hezekiah prayed. And so did Churchill. And so did the rest of Britain. See, this is the the untold story the movie didn't tell you. History buffs, you may know this. On May 23rd, the churches in Britain called for a national day of prayer. They mobilized the entire nation to seek Almighty God, to spare their husbands, their sons, and their fathers at Dunkirk. Even Churchill and King George, they shuttered the government, and they descended on Westminster Abbey to pray. I want to show you a wicked cool archival news clip. This is not from the movie. This is actual news footage from May 23rd. Take a look.
2: The Empire responds to the king's call. And at Westminster Abbey, heart of the Empire, the statesmen, the soldiers, the ambassadors, and hundreds of ordinary men and women join the mighty congregation. Her Majesty Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands arrives a few moments before their majesties. No one here today could foresee the grave news that has come from Belgium. All the more, it is well for us to show the world that we still believe in divine guidance, in the laws of Christianity. May we find inspiration and
1: faith. May the world know that we still believe in divine guidance, that we still subscribe to Christian principles. I mean, this is 1940. Can you imagine anyone doing that today? Imagine that. Well, it was Sunday, May 26, 1940, that the entire British nation called off school, they closed their businesses, they shuttered the doors, and the whole nation came together for 24 hours of prayer. Churches were jammed as people got on their knees and asked Almighty God to save their nation. Neville Chamberlain, the British prime minister before church, he wrote this in his diary. He said, May 26th, blackest day of all. This was the national day of prayer. But in reality, it turned out to be the turning point of the war because you see, at seven o'clock that night, Churchill issued the order to attempt a desperate evacuation of Dunkirk. He asked every British citizen, every civilian, not in the army, who had a boat, to get in their little boat or their watercraft and steam across the English Channel to Dunkirk and snatch as many soldiers as possible off the beaches and bring them back to Britain before the Germans arrived. Can I just say, this is a Hail Mary pass. This is like when you have no other ideas, and it's like, let's get some duct tape and some gum, and (laughs) this is a plan that couldn't possibly succeed. But the British people, they prayed, and then they courageously set sail in their boats. And when they reached the beaches of Dunkirk, Allied soldiers scrambled like mad aboard these little boats and yachts. And on May 29th, 47,000 soldiers were rescued. The next day, on May 30th, 53,000 were rescued. The next day, on May 31st, 68,000 soldiers were rescued. And on June 1st, 64,000 soldiers were plucked from the beach. In all, 336,000 men were snatched off the beaches of Dunkirk in four days. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. British war leaders were were shocked. They were astonished. Historians still argue about this because they're like, we can't explain why. But 24 hours after the day of prayer, Hitler inexplicably ordered his armies to stop. So so he had victory in the palm of his hand. He could wipe them out. But to the surprise of his own Nazi drones, he said, I don't want you to attack or finish the job. To this day, no one knows exactly why. We know why. As people of faith who serve a sovereign God who hears our prayers, we believe that Nazi army was stopped by the same God who split the sea for Moses, who routed enemy armies for Joshua, <laughs> the God who went to war for Hezekiah and his people. So you have to understand this. History is not decided by military might or a lucky break. Hundreds of thousands of British Christians fell to their faces pleading for divine intervention and the entire Nazi army stopped their attack from May 24th to May 31st, allowing the British to escape and survive. General Ironside wrote, he said, the guy wanted to surrender, (laughs) I still can't understand how it is that the Germans have allowed us to get our troops off in this way. It's a miracle that we've been able to do it in the face of all the bombing and gunning. Churchill needed a miracle. Hezekiah needed a miracle. And God answered with a miracle. How did God answer Hezekiah's prayer? Look at this, closing. It says, when Hezekiah's, King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, he's the prophet, he speaks for God. Isaiah said to them, you tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Here's God's answer. And I think this is a powerful verse, guys. I want to say these words, do not be afraid, because this is powerful here. Can we say this in a big, loud voice? Four words. Here we go. Do not be afraid. One more time. Do not be afraid of what you've heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen. When he hear- God is about to take him to the woodshed. Listen. When he hears a certain report, I'm going to make him want to return to his own country, and there I will cut him down with the sword. I imagine Hezekiah, he's praying, he's pleading, He's, he's like, "God, we are sunk if you don't." And then all of a sudden the answer of God comes to his prayer, "Hezekiah,, yeah, look up. Yeah? Raise your hand. God says, "Make a fist." Now stick out one finger. Now no good, no, make a second finger. Why, Lord, what is that? Because the Lord your God is about to give you victory. Because you prayed and you summoned the power of heaven. I'm going to give you victory on earth so that I get the glory. Because an attack on my people is an attack on me. Isn't that encouraging to know? That your father in heaven doesn't just hear the cries of his children when the enemy attacks. God takes it personally. God's promise of victory is breathtaking. He says, therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. And sure enough, the Assyrian army in 701 BC stood down. They didn't attack. They did not invade Jerusalem, even though they had it surrounded. Why? Well, what happens when you say, God, I'm not strong enough. Would you come fight my battle? Here's how the Lord fights. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 soldiers. In the Assyrian camp. And when the people got up the next morning, there were all these dead bodies. And so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. It was a miracle. It it, it was the power of prayer that unleashed the hand of heaven. And here's the final scene. One day while he was worshiping, whatever happened, by the way, to uh, the king of Assyria, while he was worshiping in the temple of his pagan god Nisroch, his sons killed him with the sword. So Hezekiah didn't just save his people, his enemy was slaughtered by his own sons. Because God made a promise. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. What's it mean to be a leader? What's it mean to be a leader with a a spine of steel in a time of terror? It's about doubling down on your faith. It's about saying in this desperate hour, I will be a prayer warrior for Christ. Christ. Fathers, mothers, it means you lead your families in prayer. It means you actually get down on your knees and pray with your kids. You pray with your employees. You pray with your team. You pray with your students. Who cares what the culture thinks? You call upon the Lord because it's by prayer that his power is loosed in your life. Amen? It's by prayer that the enemy's overcome. That's what faith is. In, In Churchill's climactic speech to Parliament, he invoked the now famous words, Never surrender! (laughs) Urging Britain and its allies to to don't give in until the victory over the Nazis was secure. And just as Hezekiah faced down his own Hitler, I I think history today is desperate for leaders with the moral clarity and the moral courage and faith in God to fight their battles. I hope you're as inspired as I am by this final clip.
0: We shall fight on the seas and oceans we shall fight with, with growing confidence and going strength in the air. Yeah. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. Yeah. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender! (laughs) And if, and if, which I, I do not for a moment believe, this island or large part of it were were, were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle. Until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old!
1: Churchill's Never Surrender speech in May 1940 rallied his nation, rallied the world to fight back against the demonic evils of Nazi fascism. And although Never Surrender became a rallying cry, you understand the world was about to enter the bloodiest war in human history. Over the next five years, 50 million people would perish in World War II. 50 million people. Even though they had faith in God, things got darker before he brought the final victory. But understand, five years later, after those words on May 8th, 1945, Britain and its allies would declare victory. Germany surrendered, and Hitler, as you know, committed suicide. Never forget, God didn't say weapons wouldn't form against you. He promised they wouldn't prosper, amen? Amen. Can I ask, what battle are you facing today, right now, in your world, at your work, in your family, that God is waiting to give you victory in? It could be a battle with your health, it could be a situation at your job, or even just a struggle with this fear and anxiety, when you see the uncertainty of the world, and God says, I want to give you peace that I have this in my sovereign plan. Friends, there is no situation too dark or overwhelming that Christ can't give you the courage to confront. Because with Christ, all things are possible. And with Christ, victory is guaranteed. Amen? Give God a praise. That's the truth of what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. How do we know this? Because on the cross, Jesus Christ confronted the real Hitler behind all Hitlers. And he took on our sin and he died in our place. He sacrificed his life so that we could live. And the Bible says on the cross, Jesus Christ defeated Satan's sin and death with his indestructible life. And now anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So don't be afraid. Friends, never surrender. Never, 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 never. You call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Amen? Amen. Give God a praise. You serve a mighty God. Let's pray together. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, glory to you, Father. We see your hand working through history. God, even when things are chaotic, we know behind the scenes you're working everything together for the good of those who love you. And we love you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness to Hezekiah. We thank you for the divine destiny, Lord. You put on Winston Churchill, and I know there's teenagers today who you're putting your hand on. and You've destined them to play a pivotal role, God, In your kingdom advancing forcefully. God, I also know that this room and all of our campuses, Lord, are filled with people who are in battles of our own. There are struggles we're facing, God, where we need your intervention. We need your strength. And so that's what we're asking right now. With all our heads bowed, you're here today. If you would say, Tim, I came for a movie, but I'm facing a battle and I need God's help. I want you just to raise your hand where you are. Just raise it up in the The air, so I can see you. I want to pray for you. A lot of hands, tons of hands, oh, dozens of hands, lots of people facing battles. Keep them up. I want to pray for you. Father, we are weak, but you are strong. And when we feel discouraged, Father God, I've come today to plant a seed of faith in these people, God, that you are there and you are present and you are ready to fight on their behalf. Lord, before we call on your strength, we need to call on you for salvation. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ personally. Maybe you're like, I I want the power of God and I want that kind of faith, but I don't know God the way you talk about him. This is a chance for you to enter the family of God by praying a prayer of salvation. I want to give you a chance to do that. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, you can pray with me right now. Father, I want to be in your family. Could you say that word out loud? Father, I want to be in your family. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Forgive my sins. My failings. I don't want to be Lord of my life anymore. I want you to be my Lord. Come in, make my heart new. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. I give my life to you. Father, I pray right now for people who are surrendering their life to you. Would you now give them the victory to walk with Jesus Christ? Testify, Father, to their spirit right now that they have moved from death to life, to salvation, God. We thank you that those who call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we thank you, God, and I ask for your power to pour out now into the lives of my brothers and sisters as we leave this place, not just to... Save us for our comfort but so that the world may know that you alone, Lord, are God overall. all. We pray that in the priceless name of Jesus Christ. Everyone said together, amen. Church, welcome new believers into the family of God.